right, good morning. Hope everybody, uh, it looks like everybody set their clocks back. I mean, we got a couple here that uh, they got here 10 minutes early, and that's, that's pretty good. I almost took a picture of it, Cindy. <laughs> that's good. I, I was thinking a while ago, everybody was hoarded up over here. We'll have to turn the pulpit over this way and start preaching this way. Uh, I was really concerned that we was going to have to put somebody between Nat and VJ. I, if anybody's brave enough to sit between them two, we'll... Mel, you want to do it? <laughs> uh, but it's been a good week. It's uh, Here we are in November. Um, we'll be singing Christmas carols before you know it. Uh, we're going to be over, I don't even want to start, start on that one. We're going to be over in Daniel chapter 5 this morning. It's down Conley. We're going to preach on something this morning that I've never, to my knowledge, Maria might be able to correct me on this, but I don't know that I've ever preached on this the subject here, and it's uh, it's about the handwriting on the wall. Um, it's one we read. Um, it's something that uh, they call it an idiom because uh, it's it's made reference to in in just in normal everyday conversation. You'll hear people say something along the lines of, you know, you you can plainly see the writing on the wall, um, but most people don't understand where it came from and what it means. And so we're going to look at that this morning and try to get a better grasp of what the writing on the wall means to us. Um, it means a lot. And this story, we're not going to read the whole story, and I encourage you to actually go back and read the first part of chapter 5 at some point and kind of get an idea uh, of the, the setting of this. So it's a short chapter, but it's very detailed. But again, the handwriting on the wall, and let me explain to you what it means real quick. And this is, I've, I had to dig through several commentaries to get an idea because there's different takes on this, but they all uh, sound about the same. But this is what I, I come up with. And the writing on the wall is a warning or a sign that something unpleasant or unfortunate is going to happen. The writing on the wall is when it's obvious that you will have to go through a trial or a storm. So the the one verse or the one uh, definition there is of um, I can't remember the name of the commentary, but the other, and it's more of a, a worldly definition. The second one would be a biblical definition. In other words, it's there. You know it's going to happen. The writing on the wall means something bad is about to happen. You can see it, you can feel it, but there's reasons behind it that that and, and we can help prevent it. Uh, the bad things from happening when we see the writing on the wall. We can actually prevent the writing on the wall from ever happening, and we'll talk about that. But I want you to understand something about the writing on the wall. It comes in different forms. It could be in the form of a diagnosis from a doctor that you might have incurable disease. It might come in the form of your spouse walking out on you and telling you that they don't love you anymore. That's the writing on the wall. It could have to deal with, uh, with some of your bad decisions that you made in the past. You may be dealing with those, and a lot of people, we have to deal with things that are in our past. It could be dealing with issues from your past that have, that, um, you know, a lot of times growing up, you've done some things that you shouldn't do, and then you kind of brush it under the rug and kind of forget about it. Well, sometimes that rug gets rolled back, and that stuff can come, come up front. So we've got to remember those things, and, and when we do things like that, we tend to find out uh, quickly that bad things are about to happen. And that's what this writing on the wall is that we're going to talk about this morning. Now, from this story, I want you to learn why we have to face the writing on the wall moments in our lives. There's a, we have to. We, there's, there's a why, and you're going to see it, but there's a, a reason why we face this writing. What we have here 
this morning is uh, King Belshazzar, who is the new king of Babylon, who is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I know we're going to read this here in a second, and some of y'all that's already read this probably just said, well, he's, he's already wrong, because it says father. Nebuchadnezzar is his father. It's not. It's actually his grandfather. Not that the Bible's wrong, but you've got to understand the way that this was written back in, way back in the day. It was his grandfather. You do the, the history and the research on it, and uh, you'll realize that uh, Belshazzar's mom is actually Nebuchadnezzar's daughter. And so we're going to read this. We're going to look at some lineage, and we're going to, and we talk, you know, we preached on Nebuchadnezzar not too long ago. And remember, hopefully, you remember what he went through, and the trials and the, the the things that he went through. And you know, he he was uh, Daniel. You know, he he read and told him that he was going to be uh, as a wild beast in the field, and his hair got long, and he's eating grass. It's because he didn't mind the Lord. Well, Belshazzar didn't eat grass. <laughs> I'll tell you this, he suffered for uh, what he didn't do when he did not repent. And, and we're going we're to talk about that here in just a moment. But he was arrogant, and he was full of pride. And today I want us to learn why sometimes, like King Belshazzar, we face that writing on the, on the wall. And, and, and it's one of two reasons. A lot of times it is pride, and a lot of times it's arrogance. But we're going to read that. If you've got your Bibles open to Daniel chapter 5, verse 18, stay with me just a moment. Daniel 5, 18. Bible says, O thou king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him whom he would, would he sleep, slew, sorry, and whom he would he kept alive and whom he would he set up and whom he would he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him and he was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beast and his dwelling was with the wild asses they fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high god ruled in the kingdom of men and that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will and thou his son O belshazzar hast not humbled thine heart Though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand they breathe in, breathe is and whose are all thy ways hast thou not glorified then was the part of the hand sent from him and this writing was written and this is the writing that was written many many tekel up uh, up here and that's a silent s in there this is the interpretation of the thing many god hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it tekel thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting paris thy kingdom is divided and given to the medes and the persians then commanded belshazzar and they clothed daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom and in that night was belshazzar the king of the chaldeans slain and darius the median 
took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. Let's pray. Father, this morning as uh, we open up this gorgeous fall Sunday morning that you've given us here in the high country, Lord, we just pray that you would bless our time together. Lord, I pray that your presence would be felt. Uh, Lord, I ask that uh, each one of us would be repented and ready, uh, Lord, to worship you. God, and I pray that you would clear out our minds this morning of anything worldly that's going on. Lord, I pray that you would clear out our hearts, Lord, of anything that might be hindering our worship today. God, I pray that you would help clear it out. And Lord, I just ask that you would prick the hearts that are here. And Lord, I pray that they would receive a, a great blessing this morning. And Lord, I pray that it would be an encouragement to them, those that may be uh, struggling with things of the past that need to be taken care of. Lord, I pray this would give them uh, encouragement. Lord, I pray this would give them uh, a path to follow, Lord, where they would see uh, that they need to repent, ask forgiveness of those around them. Lord, ask for forgiveness from you, uh, Lord, so that they can uh, truly live a, the Christian life that we're to be living. We, we thank you, Lord, for you continue to bless us and, and you continue to use this church and one another. And pray, Lord, you just bless us today. All in your son's name we pray. Amen. You have a seat. So this is a, it's a, a pretty interesting um, piece of scripture that we're going to read here. We're going to look at, at four things this morning about the writing on the wall. And the first thing we're going to look at is when we're facing the handwriting on the wall, we refuse to deal with the past. We refuse to deal with the past. Now I know what we've preached and I know what the Bible says when it comes to the past. And, and Paul tells us about our past that we are to to forget about it. We become a new creature. We are to, to live as new creatures and not, not living as the, we'll call it the Saul. We're not the, the Sauls of our lives. We're not to live like that anymore. We are to live as Paul, as new creatures, as new creation, and we are to love Jesus and tell the world about him. That's what we're supposed to do, but there are still things in our past that we need to fix. There's things that we have said and done that have maybe offended someone or hurt someone's feelings that we know about, and the Bible's telling us, and what we're going to read here in a minute, it's telling us plainly that we need to ask for forgiveness. God himself, Jesus himself, has told us that we need to be asking forgiveness of others, and he, he wants us to, he wants to encourage us to do that because as we say, as I say a lot, you can't truly worship God if you still have bitterness in your heart. If you are still bitter towards someone that's hurt your feelings or maybe you've hurt their feelings and you just ain't forgiven each other, you can't worship. You can't have that relationship that you need, so we need to be forgiven. Verse 18 tells us, O thou king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. Verse 20 says, But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Verse 22 it says, And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, Though thou knewest all this. Now remember that part right there. Thou knewest thou this. He knew what happened to old grandpa. Belshazzar knew the history. He knew what had taken place a couple of generations prior to him becoming king. He knew it. But this young man was full of pride. This young man was very arrogant. He's a very arrogant king. And so he would not let it go. And the sins of Belshazzar were not sins of just arrogance though he knew good and well what would happen to someone who had who was who was arrogant because he had seen it in his grandpa he knew it because of what happened to old grandpa uh, Nebuchadnezzar 
So he, he had been told what was going on. So he, he had a, a kind of an, an understanding, but he refused to deal with that in his own life and learn the lessons that would have helped his reign. That's what we are to be doing. We are to, I, I've told the girls this before, history is a great thing. Growing up elementary-wise, I wasn't too keen on learning about history. I thought it was boring. But the older I got, the more I liked it. And now the older I am right now, I like it. Now, Paisley, she loves it. Me and her are the nerds of the house. We like history. We, we love to study on the history, and uh, we're getting ready to be able to wigwam this evening to look at some Indian history, part of her science or whatever you're doing, something for school. But history is very important to us because it helps us prevent the bad things from happening again. You know, when they start talking about taking out World War II and they stopped talking about Nazis and they stopped talking about the Jewish persecution that took place during World War II. When they, when they talk about taking that out of our textbooks, it makes me sick. It makes me sick because we need that. These kids need to continue to remember this so that it will never happen again. So we raise up a generation that will look upon the destruction and the disgust that took place in this world and prevent it from ever happening again. So young Belshazzar here, he knew what was going on, but he just kind of turned his head, closed his eyes like it never happened. He didn't want to, he didn't want to admit that his grandpa had, had done some wrong things. But here's the thing, I would have admitted it because if you looked at his grandpa, if you look at Nebuchadnezzar, he repented. And after remember after that seven years, things got better for him. But he wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't because he was arrogant. As a result, he had a, a prideful, arrogant heart. And it was, uh, and that was, that will destroy you. And I know that we've talked about how pride and arrogancy will destroy you. It will absolutely ruin you. And it was ruining him uh, as a result of his, I'll call it his ignorance. He had a heart full of pride. So we got to go back in our lives sometimes and, and, um, and deal with things in our past. Each one of us has probably got one or two or a half dozen or twelve things in our lives that we need to fix. And I, I'm, I'm as guilty as the next person. There's things in my life that I had to fix because I knew God wasn't using me to my potential because I wouldn't let something or some things go in my life. And, I, and you, you think about it. You've, we've all probably got something that's bothering us, whether it's with a family member or with a friend or a coworker, or something like that. It's just something going on that we can't let go or haven't let go, so we can't worship. We, we can't fully be Christ-like because we have something nagging at us, and it, we won't let it go. We've got to let that stuff go. Now, you know, I couldn't move forward with God, what he wanted to do in my life until those things were dealt with in my heart and my mind. But what great peace you get. If you've ever, if you've ever had the opportunity to forgive someone, I mean flat out forgive them, just face to face, shake their hand, hug their neck, and just say, I'm sorry, that peace that you get, that peace, that, that burden that is gone from you, you can't beat that. And then you just want to go to church, and you just want to, you want to do it again. Is there anybody else on my list that I need to go forgive? I like this. I want to be open with people. And so we, we are to do that. We are to go and forgive them. Many times we see that writing on the wall of, of trials and tribulations because where we don't see it because we've never forgiven someone. 
Folks, I'm telling you, if you've got something, and like the Bible tells us, if you've got an ought against your brother, you, you need to go get it fixed pretty quick. Me and uh, one of the guys at the fire department Thursday night was talking about that. There's just, it is such a blessing to be able to go to someone and say, I'm sorry, I'm not really quite sure what's wrong, but I'm sorry. I, and, and would you please forgive me for whatever I've done? And it's such a, such a peace to, to have that. If it's never dealt with, the past, it can affect your future. If you don't deal with it quickly, it will affect God's plan for you. Because God's plan for you can't grow if you still have something going on in your heart. If you still got something going on in your life that you need forgiveness for, it can't grow. So many times we face these moments because we refuse to deal with, the, with what's in our past. So these moments I'm talking about is the handwriting on the wall. We've got to forgive and move on. Number two, we face the handwriting on the wall because pride gets in the way. Now, I've, I've preached on pride not too long ago. And, and you need to understand a little something here about Belshazzar. He was full of pride. He was a very prideful young man, very prideful king at the time. Go back over and look at verse 22, and it says, And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. Now, this scripture is very clear right here. Belshazzar knew everything that happened to his grandpa, but his pride, he refused to deal with it in his own life. Pride will do that. Pride will stop you from dealing with something in your own life. Pride says, I know what happened to them, but I'm better than they are, and it ain't going to happen to me. Pride is saying, my ch children will never do that. How many of you parents have always said, my children will never do that? Mary's shaking her head. <laughs> really fast. <laughs> no, it don't. We can't. It's hard. You grow up, you know what you went through growing up and what your parents went through raising you. And you're like, mm, my kids ain't never going to do that. Or you, how about this? When y'all ever been at a restaurant or somewhere, you said, my kids will never act like that. You ever done that, Travis? <laughs> my kids will never act like that. But you know what? You're going to be eating those words, I promise. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I got an amen from Travis. <laughs> My kids will never do that. Yeah, they will. Kids are kids. Kids are going to do things. Now, when they get older, that's another story. But kids are going to do things. Often those parents say, my kids would never do that. They're going to, they're going to eat those words. Belshazzar said, I would never do that. I would never be like old grandpa. He's going to eat those words. He refused to deal with his, his past, like he, with the past of the family, I'm sorry. He refused to humble himself. And if we're refusing to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we'll cause, it's going to cause us to face those writings on the wall moments if we refuse to humble ourselves before God. That's what he's asking us to do. Before God, before man, before those that we have an ought against, before we can do anything, we need to humble ourselves. And that is a hard thing to do when you're full of pride. And that's what that verse is talking about right here. Uh, it says, and, and, thou, and thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. And that was a pride problem. He was full of pride, so he could not humble himself. You can't humble yourself when you're so eat up and so full of pride in your life. Like we learned a few weeks ago, either we humble ourselves or God's going to humble us. Remember that? That's what's getting ready to happen. 
young Belshazzar here is not going to humble himself, so God's going to take care of it for him. We've got to be careful with that. These verses tell us that Belshazzar, he knew better, but he still made a decision to set himself up against the Lord. Don't do that. Don't you ever set yourself up to try to fight the Lord. You'll lose that battle. I've told you all this, I don't know how many times. It's been 10 years this month that the Lord started dealing on, with my heart about preaching. 10 years this month, end of this month. And that's, that is a battle that I knew I couldn't, I couldn't win to, to not preach. I knew the Lord's going to win that thing, but I fought him tooth and nail for months. Anytime you try to fight the Lord, he's going to win. All you're doing is dragging it out and making yourself and your family more miserable, right? Don't make your family miserable. Don't make your preacher miserable. Evidently, my preacher knew it too, and he just didn't tell me. Don't make people miserable. Don't drag these things out. These verses tell us again, though, that Belshazzar, he knew better, but he still made that decision to set himself up against the Lord. And these verses here, uh, it's very clear. I might not make it clear this morning, but it's very clear of what we need to do. We've got to spit our pride out. We've got to humble ourselves, and we need to make things right between us and whoever we've got problem with. If you don't, God's going to step in at some point, and you think you're miserable. Wait till he gets a hold of you. Let the Lord water you to death a little bit. Let the Lord deal with your heart and humble you himself. And you talk about miserable for a little while. Some here this morning, you know better. But in your pride, you refuse to humble yourself before God and his word. Because of that pride. We tend to be, Christians tend to be a little bit prideful every now and then. And so the Lord's going to step in and take care of it for us. Number three, we face the handwriting on the wall because of the sinful lifestyle that we're living. The sinful lifestyle, yeah, we're living a sinful lifestyle sometimes. That don't mean, you can take it several different ways, I guess. But don't you think about sinful lifestyle. What could it be? Maybe you have a reputation of not being such a good person, saying bad things or doing bad things or living a bad way. That's that sinful lifestyle I'm talking about here. Look back over at verse 23 again. This is going to explain it all to you. But hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven... And they have brought the vessels of his house before thee. And thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them. And thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Now this is what we don't like to hear. It's what we don't want to hear about the sinful lifestyle. That's, we talk about the prosperity gospels. talk about the, the, the sugar-coated gospels that are preached nowadays because nobody wants to hear about sin. Nobody wants to hear about hell. Nobody wants to hear about the devil. That's just, no, no, we don't talk about that anymore. Let's not talk about that in church. But somebody's got to tell you, sin's wrong. Sin's bad. Sin is against God's will. Sin is not the way that we're supposed to live. That's not what he wants from us. He wants us to be, have as, the least amount of sin in our lives as possible. But we have flesh. We have carnally minds. And so we're going to sin. We're going to sin daily. As much as we try not to, we're going to think something or see something or say something that, that is sinful. 
we can ask for forgiveness. We all know that. But we don't want to hear people talk about not living a sinful life because it's, it's hard to do. Believe it or not, there are consequences for our actions. You ever heard that? There's consequences for your actions. We tell children not to do this or not to do that because there's consequences. Don't stick your finger in that light socket. Don't stick your finger in that receptacle. Don't mess with that electric fence. I'll leave that alone. Y'all can say what you want to about the electric fence. We tell them that because there's consequences. You're going to get bit. Don't pet that cat. You're going to get scratched. Don't mess with that dog. He's watching me now. Don't mess with that dog. You're going to get bit. We tell them that because there's consequences. Same with adults. We tell adults not to do this because this will happen. Jerry, how many times did you tell people, stop stealing, or stop doing, stop committing these crimes, something bad's going to happen to you? Jail. You're going to, and especially the younger people, especially, you know, when you, they get into high school and you're, you're trying to help them, you've you got to stop stealing the pencils or stealing from other people because at some point when you get older, you're going to keep doing this and you're going to end up in jail or prison. There's consequences for sin. Bad consequences for some of these sins that, that are, are being committed. This morning, if you're living a sinful lifestyle, don't expect God to bless it. He's not going to bless, or he cannot bless a sin. He will not bless your sins. God don't bless a mess. So if you're sinning and you are blatantly sinning against God, you're probably not feeling any uh, of his love and of his blessings right now. So he's saying stop the sinning, if you know that you're doing it and you're willingly sinning, you're not going to receive the blessings from him. If you're living that, that sinful life, let me tell you, you need to expect those writing on the wall moments to pop up very soon. Very soon. And that's going to be him telling you, you better knock it off. You better stop it. You better expect difficulties. Because that's what sin brings with it. Difficulties, hard times, hardships. Tension between you and your spouse or your co-workers. Loss of money. Maybe lose your house, lose your job. But that's what sin brings on with it. You lose things, especially if you're blatantly doing it. So be cautious. Stop your sinning. Repent and try to do a lot better. People say, well, I don't know why this is happening to me. You ever heard somebody that you know really well, and they're saying, I just don't know why bad things keep happening to me. But you're on the outside looking in. It's like you're sinning. You're living a lifestyle you shouldn't be living. God ain't going to bless that. He's saying clean up. Get away from this lifestyle, this sinful lifestyle. And things will start looking up for you. Things will start being better for you. God made it very clear to Belshazzar right here why he was coming against him. He set himself up against God of heaven. Set himself. If you go back and you read the first part of chapter 5 here that we're talking about, if you look at what was taken from the, the temple, the first uh, temple that was torn down, they were using the vessels. They were using the things of that temple that were God's. Now, I mean, I'm serious right here. They were taking these things uh, for, that were used for worship of the one true God, and they were using it 
to pleasure themselves. The gold, the brass, the metals, the stones, the vessels, the things that were God's, he was taking them and he was having a big old party. Sometime do this. Sometime go to Google and just write in uh, either Belshazzar or the handwriting on the wall and look at some of the paintings. Rembrandt done a great painting of this one time. There, and it's, and it's, it's called Belshazzar's Fe- Feast. And he's having this big old party with God's stuff, with God's pottery, with God's brass, with his gold, with his stone, with his wood. He's having him a big old time. Folks, that's the equivalent of coming here and taking the communion cups or the offering plates and taking them back to your house when you have a poker party. That's, that's what it's like. When you start using God's stuff for your own pleasure, that's what Belshazzar was doing. And God's getting ready to nip that really fast. Really, really, real fast and in a hurry, quick in a hurry. But instead of bowing down and worshiping the one true God like he should have done, especially when Daniel told him, he read the writing on the wall for him, Daniel told him what's getting ready to happen. He, he should have and he could have repented right then and said, I'm sorry, God, here's, here's all your things. I'm sorry, forgive me, but he didn't. He did not do it. And so God, he punished him for that. Belshazzar, he couldn't say, why is this happening to me? Because God made it really clear to him, really fast, that he brought it on himself. And it was because of his sin. Now, the fourth and last thing we'll look at this morning is, even though we face the handwriting on the wall, God is still in control. Even though we see that something is about to happen to us, even though that it is just as pretty as a picture in front of us, we know something's getting ready to happen because of the lifestyle we're living or something that we've done in the past. We've got to remember, God is in control no matter what. And it might not feel like it. Well, Lord, bad things are happening to me. It don't feel like God's in control, does it? But he is still in control. Look at the last part of verse 23 there. It says, And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Whose hand is Belshazzar's life in? God's hand. Whose life is God's hand in? All of ours. Our life is in God's hand. Our life belongs to him. He created it. He has given us this life. If he has given us this life, if he has created us, that pretty much tells me that he is in control. Believe it or not, he has everything under control control hard to comprehend sometimes how can god have my life in control when it feels like it's just spiraling out of control he's still in control he tells us um, in his word that he has us he's, he's got control of everything that's going on he, and it tells us here that god is in absolute control not just a little bit of control but in absolute control and always in control not us well, if we try to take control of what I've always told you, we're going to mess it up. You may look at everything that's going on in your life right now, everything that's happening to you, and think, even in all this chaos that's going on, I mean, look at the world right now. and It's just in total chaos. He's still in control. The reason that we can't see is because we haven't opened our eyes to see that he's in control. We're seeing all the bad things going on. We see the chaos, the riots, and all that's going on right now in the world. We left, I was telling them earlier, we left the house, what, 15, 
20 minutes early, something like that, because Mike Pence is on 105 Bypass, just, what, three miles from our house. So the Vice President of the United States is three miles from the house. We left early because I thought, man, they're going to be lined up down the bypass, one side down the other. There's five protesters, six protesters on the edge of the road. There's nobody else. They had everything shut down for us. We see the chaos that's going on with the riots and the destruction and all, and we think, how could God be in control of something like this? But he is. But he is. I've told you all back in March, when we come out of this pandemic, we need to understand that he's in control, that he's, he was in control from the beginning, that he needs to be glorified to the very end because he, I feel like this is here for us to turn to him. I feel like we as a nation and we as a world have, we, we've lost sight of, of God and who he is and what he can do. And, and this pandemic is supposed to help us turn our focus back to him. It's supposed to. But have we? Maybe we did for a little while. Maybe like 9-11, you know, the first couple months after 9-11, everybody's back in church, but then it kind of dwindles away after that. Maybe we did turn to God for a little while after all this took place. But maybe we've stepped back away from him again. He is in control. Belshazzar thought everything was great. And his name, if you go back and you look at his name, it even means God of gods. God of gods. He thought he was something else. He thought he was some big deal. But he found out the hard way that Jehovah is in control. He found out pretty quick that Yahweh was in control. He found out really fast God was in control. So today maybe you're facing that writing on the wall. Maybe today you're you're seeing the writing and you're, you're seeing that I messed up back in my day, and I still need to make things right with someone. I would strongly encourage you, strongly encourage you to fix whatever's wrong in your past. I would strongly encourage you right now to make amends with whatever, whoever you've got issues with so that you can worship. Because everything that you've been hearing for however long you've been coming to this church, not that it's going to return void or it's in vain, but you can't fully worship you can't fully be here and listen with your heart if you still got some bitterness in there against someone. Maybe this morning it's because of some sin in your life. Maybe it's this morning it's because of some bad decisions you made. But the Bible tells us that we just need to repent. We just need to ask Jesus to forgive us and give us the encouragement to go forgive others. That's what we need. We need that encouragement. We need to have Jesus helping us to go and... and and ask for forgiveness. I, I like what the Bible tells us over in Philippians 4.13. Paul said it. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The all things. So if we want to forgive somebody, it's not that we want to, it's we need to. We need to forgive those people. You, you can go right back to Philippians 4.13. I remember first softball helmet we ever got Abby. That was a sticker I put in there for her. I want her to be able to see Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So this morning, if you need to go forgive somebody, remember Philippians 4.13. This morning, if you need to go and bury the hatchet with somebody, 
Philippians 4.13. This morning, if you're struggling with something in your past, Philippians 4.13. You can do it. Christ will give you the strength. But you got to ask him, Lord, give me the strength. Lord, give me the unction. Lord, give me the encouragement. Give me the power. Give me the strength. Lord, give me that love and heart that I'm supposed to have so that I can go and ask for that forgiveness. But you've got to ask for it. Maybe this morning all you need to do is say, okay, God, I'm ready. Let's deal with these things. Lord, whatever bitterness i got in my heart, it's, it's, hurting, it's hurting my family. It's hurting my church. It's hurting my work. It's hurting my school. Lord, I'm ready. Let's do this thing. Let's do this. I'm ready. Let's deal with it. Let's deal with these things so that I can be completely yours. Today would be a good day to do that. Stand with me this morning as we get ready to close out. I don't have to if she's going to cry about it. That writing on the wall, maybe you ain't sleeping good at night. The Lord just keeps throwing stuff at your mind and wakes you up at night. That, that's, that's writing on the wall. When, he, when he's telling you to go fix these things, that's that writing on the wall he's talking about. Plain as day. Belshazzar here, he, he's seen it. Go back and read the story. All it was was a hand writing on some plastic. None of the wise men can interpret it. They caught on Daniel. Can you believe this? Belshazzar didn't even know who Daniel was. His grandma had to tell him about it. There's mom, sorry. Had to tell him who, who he was. And he figured out what was going on. And he didn't repent. If you know what's going on and you can fix it, I encourage you, strongly encourage you, fix it and repent. Go to your brother, go to your sister, go to whoever you got trouble with and fix it. Fix it quick. Anybody have anything on their heart this morning before we close out? I want to tell you all thanks. I forgot to tell you this earlier, but from my, my family and myself, thank you all for the cards and the gifts last week. It was it was very sweet. Very, uh, we, me and Maria went home, we ate ate that pot of vegetable soup that she fixed, and we sat and cried over those letters. Y'all just uh, really touched us last week. So thank y'all a bunch uh, for your kindness and your love and your prayers. You want to say anything? <laughs> she does speak. My grandpa always said she was mute. My uncle said she's blind because she married me, but... <laughs> All right. Mike, will you dismiss us?
Amen. All right, we'll see you guys in the morning. Yeah, don't forget to go vote Tuesday if you ain't already voted.